welcome to the Freestyle podcast series, where we discuss real experiences from those living or caring for a loved one with diabetes. We try to find out more about the challenges they face and provide inspiration for living your best life with diabetes diagnosis. I'm Claudine, and today we're talking to Jack Trigger. Jack's an accomplished solo sailor with a number of amazing racing trophies under his belt. He was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at the age of 21 after a difficult journey at sea, but that hasn't stopped him. He's even planning to complete the Vendée Globe, which is a solo non-stop race around the world with no assistance. So firstly, I'd like to welcome you, Jack. Thanks for joining us. You have a very unusual story about how you were diagnosed. Can you tell us about it? Hi, Claudine. Well, firstly, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's um, a pleasure to be here. My diagnosis was a little bit unusual. It was 2015. I was 21 years old. I, I just left studying engineering at Oxford University and I left university to pursue this career in sailing. So I guess kind of early stages of my career. And I was competing in a race around the Arabian Gulf, kind of three week long multi-stage offshore race. And I remember distinctly, you know, having these symptoms, which at, at the time I, you know, really just put down to the kind of hardships of the race. I remember being extremely thirsty the whole time, but, you know, ambient temperatures in the Gulf, well into the 30 degrees, being very fatigued, but tough physical race, you know, not sleeping much. We were sort of getting, you know, an an hour's sleep at a time. And the funny thing is that I really remember wondering if I was just being lazy. (laughs) So on my arrival back to the UK, that was really when it, it sort of dawned on me that something was wrong when I, I jumped on the scales and realized I'd lost 20 kilos of body weight, which I, to be honest, didn't have to lose in the first place. And then everything kind of clicked. And yeah, very quickly, I was in hospital with diabetic ketoacidosis and, and diagnosis of type 1 diabetic. Wow, that must have been quite a scary experience coming back to all that. It, it was scary. Yeah, I, I mean, the scariest thing is not knowing what's happening to you. Looking back on it, you, you can see those symptoms. I could see the effect of, of the, the undiagnosed condition, you know, well in advance. But um, because it kind of creeps up on you gradually over a period of weeks, or certainly did for me, you really don't notice until it, it's got to a stage where it's quite dangerous. So that's the scary part. But, but then, amazingly, the, the diagnosis experience being diagnosed for me was almost, <laughs> it wasn't a nice experience, but... You know, there's a massive relief when you're diagnosed because for me, I suddenly I knew what was going on. Everything was explained and I was really quite ill. So to, to be able to suddenly treat that and, and to turn around and start feeling better was, um, was actually a, a positive thing. Yeah, I guess that side of it had quite a relief to it that you could pinpoint it to something definitive and then work on making it better so you could carry on with your sailing. What advice were you given at those early stages from your doctors and um, the team at the hospital to get back to the sailing, the love of your life? Well, it's sort of a mixed story. Obviously, that was a big thing for me on being diagnosed. I set out on this career and this is kind of have, has been my lifelong goal. So can I still do it with this condition? The, the, the great thing was that I had so much positive response from you know the um, incredible doctors and nurses in the NHS they they really you know supported those ideas and and were very much of the opinion that if you have good discipline and manage the condition well and work hard at it there's no reason you can't do these things on the flip side 
I, at the time, had found through Google some rulings that said that I wouldn't be able to compete as a type 1 diabetic in some of the big races that I dreamed of competing in. It took a bit of a toll on me mentally, but again, you know, it's about understanding that problems aren't all unsolvable. Uh, and so what's the next step? So I managed to get in touch with my sailing doctors, my team doctors, who amazingly turned out to have been the doctors who made that ruling in the first place <laughs> and had a conversation with them. And it became apparent that that, that was on a case-by-case basis and that with good ma- management and certainly with, with the new technology that's available in the treatment of type 1 diabetes uh, in the modern day, they'd potentially be no issues with, um, with me competing. You touched on to how technology's changed over the last 20 years, I guess. I mean, 20 years ago, people were um, testing urine, and now, obviously, we've got devices which you can scan a sensor on your arm and get data anywhere to anyone in the world. How's this helped with your diabetes management? Yeah, look, f- firstly, there's absolutely no way I could do what I do solo ocean racing without the technology that I have. I might be able to race with the team, but it would be tough. But on my own, you know, I'm so reliant on the technology um, that, that I, I just couldn't do it. Um, so that's huge. And of course, that's had a massive impact on, on my life because it, it's allowing me to, to pursue my dreams. But the, the technology has you know, positively impacted my day-to-day management, of course. And a lot of things, a lot of the things I learn you know, while sailing about how to use the technology to my best advantage and, and also about what it can do and the trust that I have in it is, is really positive for how I use it every day. Yeah, and I guess you're very used to looking at data from a sailing point of view. I know that you, you look at lots of numbers on how different things are happening to increase your chances of winning races. So with the Freestyle Libre system, that amount of data must be really reassuring to you that it's helping you manage your diabetes so well. Yeah, it is. Well, it's um, really the philosophy that I take to solo ocean racing, and I think it's the only only philosophy you really can take, and and that's one of uh, risk management. It can be quite an extreme environment, and you can very quickly go from a performance-driven scenario to a a safety-driven scenario. So you want to have the whole picture all the time. You know, so if, if I compare to pricking my finger and taking a, a blood glucose measurement, the difference is huge. I, I don't just get a single snapshot in time of, of what my, my glucose levels are doing, but you know, I get eight hours of historical data, I get a trend line, uh, and that means I can have a, a sort of an insight into the future. Um, it's not telling me where my blood sugar is going to go, but it's giving me an indication of where it's been, and from that I can read into potentially what it's going to do next. Uh, but also it allows me to prepare to a much greater extent So uh, a lot of the philosophy is about trying to understand all the possible scenarios and prepare for them so that when they potentially happen, you you know exactly what to do and you're, you're not flustered. So slightly changing tack now, a lot of our listeners are probably currently dealing with uh, periods of isolation, which is something you deal with on a regular basis. How have you, how do you find managing your diabetes in, in periods of isolation because we know how so much people rely on a support network um, to help manage the condition. The key thing for me is I'm, I'm out there by choice but that doesn't always make it easier. So the first thing and it's incredibly important to me is that isolation is not the same as loneliness. 
you know, when I'm out on the boat in the modern day, uh, we're incredibly lucky to have very advanced satellite communications. I'm always in touch with my team at home. I can call home to a family member if, if I want to. And having that support, having that, humans are uh, with sociable beings. It's a normal thing. Um, and we get a huge amount from social interaction. So just being isolated doesn't mean you can't, um, you know, still have those interactions. And even if you're not able to, just, you know, knowing that there are people out there thinking about you, supporting you, and potentially going through the same thing that you can relate to, I find, um, you know, has a huge impact on how I deal with being isolated. Obviously, to start off with, I did talk about um, your goal to compete in the Vendée Globe. How are you mentally preparing for such a massive feat? <laughs> yeah, it, it is a big challenge. Uh, again, for me, it's about, you know, that's, that's the dream. I feel like I've been preparing for that for a long time. Uh, and I still have you know, significant amount of preparation to do. So it's about not trying to swallow the whole thing in one go. It's about um, building up to it and making small steps. Um, as with anything, you know, you wouldn't go and um, sail around the world. Like you wouldn't go and climb Everest with, with no training, having never climbed a mountain before. So, um, yeah, for me, it's about doing, you know, harder races and harder races and, and longer races. And while you go through that process, you know, always having that level of introspective where you're learning, you're developing these strategies to, you know, enable you to cope with tougher situations for longer durations. And, and then when you get there, you, you'll hopefully be prepared at a level where you can, um, you can perform and it doesn't feel like such a big task. And with your diabetes management, do you sit down with your team and work out quite a structured plan? Or do you take each day then as it comes and you kind of got three or four scenarios that, you know, you could take depending on how you're feeling? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's kind of a mixture. Uh, I'm fastidious in my preparations and I am really like to focus on the detail. But, uh, and, and this is the lesson from, from sailing, really that you know, however much you prepare and however many scenarios you prepare for, you're going to be caught out by something because there are just so many variables and diabetes management is the same. So it's about you know, having as many cases prepared as you can, but also being prepared to be unprepared, if that makes sense. You know, being, being, making sure you're comfortable outside of your comfort zone and making sure that you've got systems in place to respond to that, you know, systems to deal with your emotions, to remove emotional bias from your decision making when those things happen that, that you're not ready for. So on a lighter note, have you got any funny or silly anecdotes that you've come across over your years of sailing and diabetes management? <laughs> yeah, I certainly do. One I certainly remember, uh, maybe not so funny at the time, but I remember thinking it was funny, was uh, that the first time I was uh, racing, you know, in the early days, for me of, of learning how to, to race offshore with type 1 diabetes and I was still uh, injecting insulin at the time uh, and this was something I totally hadn't foreseen but the, the difficulty of <laughs> injecting insulin in that environment, um, the, the boats were sailing uh, afar so they don't kind of roll over the waves, um, they, they really fly off the waves and then it inevitably hit the back of the next one and sort of become a bit of a submarine. So it's a very violent motion. So I remember being braced downstairs 
um, sort of in, in between the structure of the boat with <laughs> all my kit sort of half on, you know, one, one hand on a, a longitudinal beam and the other hand with my, uh, my <laughs> injection pen trying to inject myself in the right place. And it probably took me seven or eight stabs before I got myself in the right place. <laughs> And I remember just thinking, this isn't going to work. But I just thought it was funny. Um, you know, it, it wasn't something that was going to stop me. I just knew that I needed to find a better solution. And now I use an insulin pump. Um, but it's those things where you really just have to take a step back and laugh at yourself. Um, <laughs> what's the point of being too serious in those moments? <laughs> no, completely agree. Do you have any tips that you, you kind of do to keep um, your isolation lighthearted? <laughs> yeah, I, I try and I, I like to think I'm quite serious. So uh, I did a solo race, it took me 18 days across the Atlantic just over a year ago. And um, it was my birthday, I turned 25 during the race. So I said to everyone, you know, no, no presents, so I want any presents on board. It's excess weight, it'll make me go slower. <laughs> but thankfully, a friend of mine left some silly presents. She left me a, you know, a, a water pistol and some toy binoculars. So when I found them, I, I decided to do a, a photo shoot with them on the boat and to send them back to land. Uh, so I, I guess, no, there's, there's nothing that I do kind of consistently, but it's making sure that you take the time out to, you know, to have, have a giggle, to find a funny moment and, and to look after yourself, to, to be kind to yourself. These things are a marathon, not a sprint. And first and foremost, if you don't look after yourself, then uh, it's a performance driver, you're not going to keep performing over over the duration. So yeah, doing those things, you know, I, I like to have a little bit of chocolate on the boat. It's a great morale booster. And, and yeah, like I'm aware that a lot of what I talk about is um, being very focused on small things, on the next step and, and on the details. But uh, most importantly, you know, is understanding the perspective and understanding the bigger picture. So that when the small things don't go right, you can let them go because uh, it's really just about, you know, remaining what I like to call directionally correct, always moving in the right direction uh, and not getting caught up on the small things, staying, staying kind of lighthearted about them. So we hear a lot about negative sides to diabetes. Um, obviously, it is a massive strain on anyone's life who has been given a type 1 diagnosis. But has there been any positive sides that have come out of it for you? There have a huge number of positives, actually. I think the biggest one for me, and I identified this quite early on, certainly with my career, is that additional level of, um, you know, introspective that it gives you. It forces you to understand your body better, to, um, you know, understand what you need to keep performing and, and what drives you. And that's incredibly important for me when I'm sailing on my own because I, as an athlete, am, am a, a limiting factor. Um, so yeah, being able to understand my body better, I think gives me an advantage as an athlete. Also, you know, the, the, the lessons that it's taught me, that it, it's really forced some lessons uh, upon me. But a lot of what we've talked about, I don't think I would have learned certainly to the extent I've learned it um, without having been diagnosed with diabetes. So yeah, there are a huge number of positives. That's great. And it's really interesting to hear how you've learned new skills, which have helped with your sailing from your diabetes diagnosis. Talking about your racing boat, it's just over 12 metres by four and a half metres. That's not a lot of space for days or weeks at sea. How do you make the space work for you? And do you have any tips for people who are at home right now who might not have that much space? But I've never thought of it as particularly small. So I guess that's a, a perspective thing. 
uh, you know, there's there's no there's nothing inside the boat. It's just just the structure of the boat. So actually, it feels quite spacious. And of course, uh, it's usually just me alone on the boat. So uh, lots of boat for one person. So I suppose it's about perspective, and I also suppose it's about making what you've got work for you. I'm a, a massive advocate for respecting the space that you have. When I'm on the boat, I can't change the fact that that's the only space that I have. So I, I have to, yeah, I have to make it work for me. Uh, and I think if I want it to look after me, then I've got to look after it. So respect the space, you know, keep it tidy, keep it in the best condition possible, uh, and really make the most of it. Yeah, and when you come back from those long periods of isolation, do you want, as soon as you get back, do you want to be surrounded by all your friends and family or do you slowly build them back into your life again? It's a very strange experience. And often with the bigger races, um, it, it's a step change. You leave the, the race village at the start of the race and you could have hundreds of thousands of people, you know, live, live footage, helicopters following you and then Within a matter of hours, you're completely on your own for a couple of weeks or longer in the middle of the ocean. And then you're right, arriving back on land, you uh, have been focusing on this moment for so long. And, and often that, that's what drives you through the, the hard parts of the race. And things like you know, big cravings for fresh food, uh, having eaten you know, dehydrated, what we call freeze-dried food for, <laughs> for long periods of time. It might be a cheeseburger or a steak. <laughs> Um, those are the big things that, and also of course, seeing, seeing everyone that you've missed, um, on, on the flip side to that is it's quite an adjustment to make when you, you've gotten used to being in this extreme environment where you have sensory overload a lot of the time. Um, but, but also it's high stress and, and you're ultimately responsible for everything. You're ultimately accountable for everything. So to readjust to being surrounded by people, uh, and also to a, a slightly slower pace does take a little bit of time and inevitably you're quite sleep deprived as well. So I find easing myself back into it is often the best way. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any recommendations for podcasts, books or websites or anything that you found really um, quite useful for both spending a lot of time on your own, but also for you know managing your diabetes in extreme circumstances or just where routine is changing so abundantly? There's one book I, I would recommend. It's not diabetes related. But it's, uh, it's certainly sailing related and, and it's such a great story. And it, it gives, again, I think it really gives a load of perspective. And it's, it's a, a voyage for madmen. It's, um, it's quite a well-known book. Uh, and it, it chronicles the, the, the true story. It's the story of the, the first ever non-stop solo around the world race in, in 1969 uh, and of all the, the competitors. Uh, and there are so many stories you know, within, within the race. It's really quite fascinating. You have to remember... Yeah, that, that's the first time anyone sailed non-stop and unassisted solo around the world. It's also the same year that, that we landed on the moon for the first time. So it really gives some context as to what the challenge is. And the difference that I find fascinating is, you know, these guys landing on the moon in their spacesuits, and it's very difficult to relate to. Whereas the first guys to sail around the world you know, on their own were, were returning in their, their kind of woolly jumpers on the boats. And uh, I think that really sort of captures the the public's imagination because it's very relatable highly recommend yeah i mean the the whole concept of sailing around the world with the limiting technology i mean we're we're blessed nowadays aren't we with as you said you use satellite phones to communicate with people and you're constantly in contact whereas back then i mean the technology was so limited that 
I guess they wouldn't have spoken to anyone really um, on majority of that journey. No, you're right. Well, well, that's it. And, and it's, um, you know, they're, they're kind of incomparable what the sport is now to what it was then. But yeah, the, the first guys to go around, it took them nearly 300 days or maybe a little over 300 days. And yeah, they wouldn't have spoken to anyone really, you know, maybe, maybe to each other at, at times if they were lucky. And no one really understood what the effects of that would be on someone. Uh, so when they were finishing the races, they'd, they'd be met by teams of psychologists. And uh, yeah, re- really fascinating to kind of read about and to think about. So with regards to your routine, I'm sure, you know, you, you normally lead a very routine life with training and, um, you know, amount of hours that you need to spend on, on a boat and managing your diabetes. How do you cope in current climates where obviously you're not out on the water as much as you possibly want to be? Do you still have very stringent routines? I, I like routine. Routine is good. I think routine is very important. I fortunately don't lack the things to do. Um, running, running the team is a massive task because obviously all, all the training on the water, training on land as well, but also, you know, the management task of running the team and fundraising and looking after sponsors. So, yeah, there's never a want for, for new things to do. But routine is very important, especially through challenging times or when, you know, you, you can't do exactly what you want to be doing because it allows you to focus on small things it allows you to focus on the next task at hand, which uh, I find, you know, on the boat as much as on land, makes it a lot easier to, to get through a, a difficult period rather than to try and, and picture the whole thing at once, which can, can often feel like too much to chew. Focusing on, you know, on the boat, it could be just eating the next meal or, you know, having the next nap. <laughs> and then suddenly you find that, that the time has passed and things are looking up. So, yeah, I, I like routine. So since you've been using the Freestyle Libre system, has that helped you maintain a good routine through the day now that you can clearly see what's happening in between those original finger pricks that you were doing previously? Yeah, it has. Like I said earlier, what it allows you to do is it allows you to to really get a full picture of how your glucose has responds to certain events. So if you have a routine, then that's hugely powerful because it allows you to perfect your response. As diabetics, you all appreciate that routine is good for blood glucose control, um, but something like the, the freestyle libre certainly allows you to make the most of that. You can find out more on Jack's adventures on his website, triggerracing.com, or follow his exploits on his Instagram channel, at Trigger Sailing. Finally, I'd like to wish you all the luck in the world in your upcoming races and your ultimate aim of taking part in the Vendée Globe round the world race. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, yeah, please do everyone follow along for the adventure. Now, if you're looking for more support on navigating the choppy waters of living with diabetes, don't forget our fantastic education site, Freestyle Progress. There you can find the Freestyle Libre Academy, tutorial videos, on-demand webinars and lots more. That's all online at progress.freestylediabetes.co.uk. That's all for now. Until next time, we wish you fair winds and hope it's all plain sailing. The information provided is not intended to be used for medical diagnosis or treatment or as a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your physician or qualified health provider regarding your condition and appropriate medical treatment. Individual symptoms, situations and circumstances may vary.